0: of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with the pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with the roaring wind, stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might. Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king, setting his throne on straw and manger, drawing forth the tears of shepherds? Receiving the gifts of wandering travelers His fame unknown in this world He is Jesus The one who thunders through the heavens Yet whispers to our hearts Who reigns victorious Yet bows to serve the broken He is God in the fury silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need until all we see
1: is him. Thank you, Jesus. What a powerful video. Did you catch all of that? Wow, I got a, I got it! I got a little teary-eyed there when I was uh, watching the video, just thinking and pondering on Scripture. How last week we looked at all the fulfillment of the Word, leading up to the day that Jesus, Messiah, would show up on the scene. I want to start us off by reading the same. Uh, chapter and verse that we started off last Sunday, in Romans chapter 15, verse 11. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are overflowing with hope this afternoon? Overflowing with peace, amen. It's this season, it's a wonderful time of the year. You love the carols. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And you start hearing those songs, and that's it too, I love it, the smiling. Uh, you, got, you get excited, I know I listen to, I, I'm not gonna remember the station, but there's a station out of Buffalo, and they play Christmas carols 24 seven. And I know that's on in our car when we're driving. And I have to admit, when I was working for Medigas a number of years ago, it was listening to the carols over the Christmas season that helped get me through each shift, about 14 to 15-hour days on the road, driving in the snow, driving in blizzards to get much-needed medical equipment to those in great need. And I couldn't help as I was pondering this a little bit, about this season, that at Christmas time, there are those in tremendous need. And like this experience that I had when I pulled up in that truck and the lift went up, there was a little bit of hope in the house because they knew that their much-needed medical supplies had arrived, and they were able to be at home with their loved ones. For many of them, they were living out their last days on this earth. And so this is some of the things that are swirling through my mind as I think about this Christmas season. Um, and I want to steer this in a way, obviously, of, of hope and that where it was exactly two years ago... Um, where even my own father left this earth to be with Jesus. And so there's many things that happen on our calendar over Christmas. And we're able to be reminded of God's every blessing and how he's working in and through our life. The fact that we're all here today at this place and time at Hope for Today is a wonderful testament of what God is doing and what he's doing in our midst. So we're glad that you're here today, and also if you're tuning in online, we're glad that you are here uh, joining us as we continue in our Advent series. So last week we looked at hope. Hope we, we see as we looked at Scripture that the people of God were waiting for over 2,000 years for Jesus to show up on scene. It was 400-plus years since the prophet Malachi last prophesied, the last message the people of God had heard. And they're waiting for this hope to come, for Messiah to come on the scene. we have in Malachi 3.1, See, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he is coming. And so we looked last week how the prophet Isaiah said the messenger of the new covenant will come. The prophet Malachi, as we just read, said the messenger will come to prepare the way. And the one that you're waiting for, the messenger, the Lord of that covenant, will come into the temple. And then we looked and saw prophet uh, Micah foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And this was important because that was the place of King David in whom the prophets promised King David that there will be one from your line a descendant from your loins who will reign on the throne of Israel forever. An enduring kingship. And so this is something that they've been waiting for and the prophets, they foretold this. They prophesied about it and in many ways they had marked their calendar and then there was silence. In the midst of the fury, they're waiting and hoping. They mark their calendars. You know, with the Advent season, many of us had the Advent calendar at home. We've probably all grown up with having the Advent calendar. And what I understand, there's different variations of the Advent calendar. A German by the name of Guhard Land first came up with the industrialized version of the Advent calendar. He grew up in his home where his father made a homemade type of Advent calendar. And in each side, there was a verse, a scripture, a promise, speaking to this Jesus, this Messiah to come. And he got to love, he thought, well, this is too good not to share with everyone else, with his friends and family. So he began to produce this thing. And by 1919, he produced this incredible um, Advent calendar that families could have in their own home. And so he cut out little boxes or little windows, and behind each window would be a verse, a scripture, to remind people of what we are looking forward to on Christmas day what we're anticipating because advent if you weren't here last week or if this first time tuning in advent means it comes from the word adventus which is latin that means come into or arrival and so the advent calendar is very fitting it's helping us to put ourselves in the place of preparing expectantly waiting with hopeful anticipation for the birth of Christ And so today we want to look at this incredible um, sequence of events that also brought the second aspect of the Messiah that we're looking for here today, and that is peace. Peace on earth. Now, peace can be something that can seem a little bit out of reach at times. We all have different parts of fury and the chaotic in our life. Everyone's chaos looks a little bit different depending on where you live and what you do for work and the whole nine yards, what the state of your family affairs are in. But peace is defined as this, a state of wholeness and tranquility. Wholeness and tranquility. And you have to love the biblical definition expands further upon that because the biblical word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom. And Shalom encompasses all those aspects. Wholeness, calmness, tranquility, reconciliation, and non-hostility. So when someone says, you know, Shalom, Adam. They're saying, wholeness to you and your family. Calmness to you and your family. Reconciliation in the name of the Lord. And non-hostility between me and you. Shalom. And so here we have the Messiah. He's coming on scene. The Prince of Peace. Mighty warrior, wonderful counselor, the prince of peace has arrived on scene. And so peace in many respects is also this connection then of love and loyalty. I believe we would all agree that if, if we believe we have peace with those that are in our circle, we would say there's camaraderie there, there's love and mutual affection even. Check out these verses when it comes to peace in regards to looking out for the well-being of those around you. Psalm 122 verse 6 says this. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you. May peace be in you. Number 624, a passage of scripture where we all know fondly, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with you with favor and give you peace. Shalom. May the Lord's peace, his wholeness, his tranquility be upon you and your family. And so peace is a very important aspect, fundamental to the gospel message. And as I was researching this and looking over all the key verses through over the overarching story of scripture, I found these scriptures that speak to peace. Psalm 37, 37, watch the blameless and observe the upright for the person of peace will have a future. Probably say amen. I can, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Psalm 34, 14, turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. Proverbs 12, 20, deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. James 3.18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So I can't help as we look over these scriptures that peace is something divine and yet cultivated in and through each of our lives as we align ourselves with God. As we align ourselves with the Son, King Jesus, we experience peace in and through our life. Amen? Amen. Check this verse out. I couldn't help but have a little praise session in my basement when I found this verse. I'm sure I've read it. Many of you have probably read it and saying, oh, Andrew, this is a really key verse. You should have this in your memory verse, you know, cards that you look over from time to time. But here it is. Isaiah 54, verse 10, though the mountains move and the hills shake. My love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. Look at that last line. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. This highlights in the midst of God's holy love and consuming fire that we, he's jealous for us. He's holy and loving. Righteousness and justice, the scripture says, are the foundation of his throne. And faithfulness flows out from him. That in the midst of um, waywardness, in the the midst of, of sin, the whole nine yards that we looked at last week, he says to his beloved people, even in the fury, which is why he says, though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love for you will not be removed. Amen. My love for you will not be removed and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassion. Lord, i got to help but give him praise and saying thank you, Lord, for your compassion. That even I, a sinner, that your love has not been removed. That you look upon me with fondness. You dance over me, as the scriptures would say. And so as we look at Isaiah 54.10, it's showing us that God from the very beginning of time itself was passionate about fulfilling his covenant of peace, shalom, in his world, in all of his creation, shalom, wholeness, reconciliation. And so let's take a little flashback for a moment before we get right into the story in Luke that originally on Mount Sinai, when God met with Moses to give him the law, the precepts, this is how my people are to live in right relationship with me. That God's intention for them was to live in peace. Shalom. And he said they would have peace if they obeyed. If they obeyed God. Check this out. Leviticus 26.6. I will give peace to the land and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land and no sword will pass through your land. But we know full well as we look through the pages of Scripture of history that this wasn't fully realized because of their inability to keep that law. Because of sin. Isaiah 48, 18 says this, If only you had paid attention to my commands, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Just crashing over you, immersing you with peace. And yet he didn't leave us in that place. Like them, like us, they were aware of their sin and great need of a Savior. How many times do you wake up in the morning and, you, and you're so thankful in realization that I need my Savior, Jesus? I don't have this thing figured out. I'm far from perfect. And like the scripture says in Romans 3.20, for no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. And so the people of God, in this anticipation, this expectant waiting, they want to honor Creator, their Lord. They want to live for him, and yet they faltered. And so they would have held on to that promise of Isaiah, of this Prince of Peace. You can imagine it. We're just holding on, God. They're waiting for Messiah. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And we're going to go through and look at how this peace, this shalom... That when we are receptive to that peace, leaning into that peace, it's amazing what we can accomplish. It's amazing how we'll align ourselves with what God desires to do and fulfill in our midst. So Luke chapter 1 verse 26, I'm reading from the CSB if you're curious. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not been with my husband, And the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. And you have to love her response right here. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. What an incredible encounter that Mary has with the angel Gabriel. At the time, probably unsuspecting of what was to happen. Boom, here's an angel in her midst. And then this incredible news This incredible news that she will have child, but not in the most traditional fashion. It's going to be set apart, unlike anything the world has ever seen. And as we lean into this, I want us to keep in mind as we look at this story, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are fixed on you, some other translations would say. And so here we see that Mary, at first, is deeply troubled by this statement, wondering how this can be. But then the angel comes and gives her a word of peace that this is going to be according to the Most High that this will be the result of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, overshadowing her and doing what seems impossible. Now the people in that day, they may not have all the scientific accomplishments that we have today, understanding all the intricacies of the X and Y chromosome, but it, it didn't take a scientist to understand that it takes two to tango and to procreate. And so she realized, I haven't been with my husband, Joseph, we looked at last week, he hadn't been with his wife, Mary, and so this was truly miraculous. Now, what I found fascinating and also kind of crazy, because the world and the craziness of the world wants to explain this away, that apparently it's it's not unlikely in creation, because of evolution and such, that... Female animals, I believe lizards, are able to procreate on their own, but they'll more than likely be female every time that does happen. But here in this case, not only is it a virgin birth, or a, a virgin conception, but it's also male. It's completely set apart. God is rewriting history, working through what seems impossible. And so Mary goes from being deeply troubled and a place of fear to let it be done according to your word. And I couldn't help but be introspect with this statement and this story and wondering how often do we, especially even at Christmas or beyond, do we embrace the impossible? Do we embrace what God can do if we're willing to let him overshadow us and fill us with his spirit? We've said it many times, a lot of times we want to lock God up in a box. We want to box and package the Holy Spirit and only allow him to work in certain ways when we feel comfortable. And yet here we see when she was receptive to what the angel wanted to do, he said that you are favored. You are favored. You have found favor with God, the angel says in verse 30. And by her resting at what the angel said, her fears, her questions were pushed aside. And she answered, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Here she realized all the word that was spoken by the prophets was being fulfilled in this moment. The long-awaited silence, the silence was over. And this promise was being fulfilled in her life, in her lifetime. Could you imagine people, I have to think, were probably lined up wondering, well, how is this going to come to pass? Who's going to be instrumentally used for these prophecies, this promise to unfold? And here we have a simple lady who loves the Lord, that the Lord overshadows her to fulfill this promise that Emmanuel would be born in a town called Bethlehem. And we can see here the angel lists, explains how important this is. He says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So just in case you were confused, in case you thought this might have been a different encounter for a different purpose, make no mistake, this is regarding the promise that's been long foretold. And so let's flash forward to Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 regarding this son of God. It says in Colossians 1 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So remember that word shalom. It's regarding wholeness, reconciliation. And so he says here, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He had to go to the cross in order to usher in peace. I know sometimes it can kind of rock the boat when it comes to the Christmas season because it's about perpetual hope and joy and peace. But here's the reality, that in order for the prophecy to be fulfilled, he would have to endure what we could not. He would give his life for us so that we could actually encounter shalom, peace by his shed blood. Remember the scripture says, those whose minds are fixed on him, will have perfect peace. Psalm, oh sorry, Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You have to believe what's happening here with Mary is this very encounter. The presence of the angel speaking of this plan of God is giving peace to her heart and mind. That's what was able to dispel those questions. How many times do we question what God wants to do in our life? We probably realize that the moment that we allow ourselves to be overcome in a good way by his peace, that all those worries are washed away. When we're worried about finance, when we're worried about career, when we're worried about family and spouse and whole nine yards, when we just give it to him, when we trust in him that nothing's impossible, all those fears will be washed away. But the one thing we're going to see is that in the midst of shalom peace doesn't mean that it's going to guarantee the removal of hostility. We're working towards that day. We're working towards the day in which all enemies are put under the feet of Christ and there is no more hostility. But until that day comes, we can see through the story of the Christmas story that there was violence um, coming against the Son of God. And so let's move forward. To Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And we're going to see this hopeful anticipation of peace. Hopeful anticipation. In verse 25, I just want to pull up my notes here. It's about Simeon's prophetic praise. And we're going to see how this, this man has been waiting for some time to see the Messiah. Verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. There's a the key. The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And so guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. And Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God and said, Now master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation, you have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. And so here we see as he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he's realizing a promise that's being fulfilled in his midst, but it's not just for one specific people group. Sometimes the overlooked aspect of the Christmas message is that this hope, this peace that's coming upon the face of the earth is for all those who look to the child, who look to the Son of God. There's a saying out there that wise men still seek him. For all who seek him, he will fill. And so here we see Simeon has prayed for this, has longed for it, this to the point where he sees the fulfillment in his miss. And he says that, God, you can now dismiss your servant in peace because he has brought him wholeness. He's brought him wholeness that he has seen the fulfillment of what is to come. Jesus, the Messiah. And so let's continue in the story to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Canarius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David. To be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room for them available. And just to stop there for a moment, which is interesting, is in some of the original manuscripts, the word there, manger, can also be translated feeding trough. Which is interesting, feeding trough. But we're gonna to touch on that, feeding trough. And so it says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Here's a commonality here an angel appears, and he's like, whoa! But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Didn't say only for Israel. He says for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. Remember this part. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in a cloth and lying in a manger or feeding trough. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So there's a lot of things that are happening here. And what I find quite, you know, amazing and appropriate what the angels were saying is that we know that there's prophecies where people are waiting for the kingdom of heaven to be reestablished. And they know there's prophecy of the Holy One coming with blazing fire and with his holy angels to judge the whole world. So think about it. When an angel shows up on scene, Liam, boom, there's an angel. You're thinking, oh no, judgment time. But they have to steer in and say, no, no, don't don't be terrified. Now's not that time. Now's the time for Emmanuel to be born, the Prince of Peace, the mighty warrior. Now, if you go through Scripture and you comb through and see, when it comes to peace, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 10, Moses, as told by God, was told that when people would go into a city, when the people of God would go into a city that they were to send a messenger of peace. And if they sent this messenger of peace and if they received the messenger, they wouldn't fight or lay siege to that city. This is a customary practice. So verse 10, when you approach a city to fight against it, make an offer of peace. So here we have God is not, uh, doesn't act against his own law, against his own covenant. He sends angels as a messenger of peace. Peace to all those he favors. Peace. Do not be terrified. For this night, born to you a child in Bethlehem. And so in many respects, it's like an extra, extra, like a newspaper that we used to see where people would be on the street corners, you know, way before my time, but they'd be saying, extra, extra, read all about it. You know, born in Bethlehem, the Son of the Most High has been born. You know, hear the angels have this extra, extra with a heavenly host singing glory, glory in the highest of heavens and peace on earth to people he favors. And so these angels were speaking, announcing to the world, specifically to all people, even those of the lowliest of places, that this promise of peace is for you. If it was meant only for the royalty, he would have been born in the, in, the, in the palace. If it was political, he would have been born in Rome. But he was born in a lowly manger to bring peace at what looked like an impossible location. Because remember, shalom means what? Wholeness, reconciliation, tranquility or calmness. And so let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21. We're going to see how this speaks to what the Prince of Peace accomplishes. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed as attested by the law and prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and they are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And here's the piece that Paul is reiterating for us. God presented him a gift as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify all who have faith in Jesus. So here we have this proclamation of the angels. This is Paul speaking these words of what has actually taken place through the born Messiah that he's removing, or remove, sorry, this barrier of hostility. He's brought reconciliation to all who put their faith in Christ. So when you woke up this morning, when you leave this place today, or when you were singing during worship, because you believe in Jesus, you're in a place of reconciliation, of right standing with God, and perfect peace that will endure because of his promise. Because of his promise. You know, there's a passage of scripture that ties in well with this statement about Emmanuel, God with us, and bringing peace on earth. It's totally contrary to what was happening at the time. Right at the beginning of chapter two, when it says that Caesar Augustus required this census to happen, here we see the political stronghold requiring people to go to their native towns so that the, the government, if you will, the empire, can you know, appropriate taxes and such and make sure they're in the right location, the whole nine yards. And it's showing here that the empire of Rome has been growing quite rapidly. Quite rapidly, this empire has been growing and we have Caesar Augustus, who's the um, adopted son of Julius Caesar. And this whole kingdom, this whole empire has been brought together through violence and war. And so they've been experiencing a time of peace. But really, it was an imposter of peace, if you will, because he was claiming, as historians will tell us, claiming to be the bearer of justice and peace. So here, east... Of Rome, this child Jesus is being born, that he is truly the Prince of Peace, mighty warrior, son of God. And yet in Rome, they have equated the Roman Empire as divine, as the son of Julius Caesar, who they say is divine. And people in the east of Rome would worship him. So you could see how this would be countercultural to their worldview, especially Roman citizens. And so here, the writer, Luke, is laying this thing out, that this is how it has happened, and to make no mistake that this is the bearer of peace, he's the child born in a feeding trough in a manger. Not born in Rome, not born in the palace. And showing that all who put their trust and faith in him will encounter this shalom, peace, and favor. Shalom, peace, and favor. It says here, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which was just as they had been told. You have to love that a mother's love was cherishing all these things about her son. All these wonderful words. Mothers in the house, when someone speaks of your child and gives praise to what they've accomplished, that's joy in your heart. Here it's like a, it was a, a storehouse of all these stories being shared that would be so necessary for Mary to endure the days ahead when her son would fulfill the promise to bring peace by going to the cross. 30 years later. And so here's the promise of what Jesus, Messiah, signifies, this son who was born in Bethlehem. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone here who's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In case anyone's confused in verse 19, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. And so how does this speak to me? Just like the shepherds in their day, they're saying, thank God that when these angels appeared, it wasn't the time for them to judge or singling the time of judgment for my sin. Thank God that he's poured out his favor upon me. Peace and grace. That same peace and grace is upon each one of us because we receive Jesus Christ. We're the new creation. And as part of being this new creation, we are receptive. receptors if you will of this shalom peace and so as the worship team comes i want us to take an opportunity to take communion together i think it's really fitting and appropriate where we celebrate this barrier of hostility that was broken down by what christ accomplished As he was born into the world, he blazed this path of light to shed light on the darkest place where sin abound in and through the people of God and also in our own lives. To be able to live in peace with God and one another, how is this possible? How could we possibly live in this shalom peace of wishing wholeness and and calm? and security to one another. Check this out. Titus chapter three, verse five says this, and he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. It's like a good bath a good shower. We've been washed and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. When we're receptive to the move of the Holy Spirit, just like Mary was to Holy Spirit, the power of the Most High overshadows us and fills us that we can live that regenerated life, which enables us to live in that grace and peace to one another. And so as the worship team helps usher us into a place of worship, as we reflect and we focus on what Christ accomplished for us 2,000 years ago, it's important that we invite the Holy Spirit in our life, fire for effect, if you will, to overshadow us, to lift us up even when the, the things that are swirling, swirling around in our circumstance, the chaotic, the fury, God, I don't have this figured out, I don't understand how I'm gonna make it through the day or let alone the weak, but when we trust in him, he's able to dispel all fear because he's the God of hope that fills us with joy and peace as we trust in him. Look at these characteristics when it regards to peace, that when we trust in him, the prophet Haggai said this, the final glory of the house of the Lord will be greater than the first. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. There's peace in this place. Wherever we go, because we're united with Christ, we are bearers of peace because we've received peace ourselves. And so if you have a situation in your life, maybe with a family member or friend, maybe you're at odds with one another, ask the Holy Spirit to come into your situation and say, lead me in the way of peace. Lead me in the way of peace. May peace be on our lips. Jeremiah 33, 9. This city will bear on my behalf a name of joy, praise, and glory before all the nations of the earth who will hear of all the prosperity I will give them. They will tremble with awe because of all the good and all the peace I will bring about for them. The Prince of Peace wants to bring peace to every aspect of our life, to walk in wholeness, and calm even in the midst of hostility as we wait for him to come our Lord and Savior the King of Kings to remove every enemy from our midst and so if you have your uh, communion cups it really is truly a fitting time a fitting time to remember all that Christ has done for us And as we move to a time to partake, remember this verse that we said in the very beginning, Isaiah 54, verse 10. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. No matter what we face, because of what Jesus faced on the cross of Calvary, there's a song that says, I can face tomorrow. I can face today because of everything that he has accomplished. So in this time, as we take these emblems, let's focus ourselves on Emmanuel, God with us. God is salvation. It's been fully realized through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross at Calvary. And so the Apostle Paul said this, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And after he broke it, he blessed it. He said, this body represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you for the peace that you accomplished through your broken body that we could be made whole. We could be made whole. And after dinner in a similar way, Jesus took a cup of wine and he said to drink from this cup. Do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. But he signified the emphasis of what the cup represented. He said, this is my blood that is poured out for you. For you, for your family, for your entire household, all who put their faith in him. Let's take of this juice together which symbolizes his shed blood for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Whether you're with us here today or you're watching online, his blood was spilt for us. His body was broken so that we could be made whole. The chastisement of our sin he bore on the cross at Calvary for the sins of the entire world. My sin, your sin. All their trespasses, but like the angels of heaven who appeared to the shepherds on that lowly night, glory, glory in heaven and peace on earth to all men. That His favor is on you. His favor is on us because we believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, as the worship team goes this thing, remember this for this week of peace. the root of Jesse has sprung up. He has appeared. The one who rises to rule the Gentiles and all will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said this, John 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives Let your heart be troubled or fearful. And so as the worship team sings, whatever you're fearful for today, whatever your troubles may be, cast them upon the Lord because he cares for you. If he who worked in what seemed impossible in young Mary and worked what was impossible to the shepherds and the people who were in attendance, he can work the impossible in and through your life. You know what that impossible is. You know that situation Speak it to him. Lift it up to him who's the king of kings, mighty warrior, prince of peace, wonderful counselor. Amen. Let's sing together in a moment here. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our life. Thank you for the wonderful Christmas story that through an obedient Mary that you came, you overshadowed her. And she conceived your son, Lord God. Your son that is the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, the messenger of Shalom, the covenant of peace. Came from the throne of justice and righteousness would be faithful and ushering in shalom peace, ushering in justice and righteousness for all time. And until you return, your kingdom has been in breaking in our midst, has been in breaking through each one of us. And as we've received these emblems, Lord God, I thank you for your grace that continues to be poured out on each person that's here today, each family that's represented. For those who are tuning in online, we thank you for your favor, we thank you for your blessing. importantly, for your forgiveness the peace that we receive because of that forgiveness Lord Jesus we worship you you are worthy of it all you are truly worthy of it all glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all mankind in Jesus name in Jesus name Amen.